Today is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former President Trump appears in court and enters a not guilty plea. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't. Leave us a rating. Share it with a friend. You can send us your emails and thoughts to quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now, as always, to get through the news of the Cray, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy's on assignment. What's going on, Trey? Happy Wednesday to you. I know. Happy Wednesday. So it's a, I guess it's a happy Wednesday for everybody but Donald Trump today, <laughs> yeah. today because he was just indicted. All yeah. right, we'll get into all that crazy. We're going to get but, into it, yeah, but maybe, maybe... At least I'm not in court. So yeah. It's a good day. Right. I know. You don't want to be in court, but judging by the case itself, I mean, maybe he's not that upset, but we'll have the... We'll have the details on that. Also, we're going to take a look at a an NCAA player after the championship game, praising God. Cool story there. You'll have that, Trey, right? Yeah, for sure. I think it's always interesting whenever somebody who has any sort of platform, and it seems to happen quite a bit in sports and professional sports in particular, but this is the college college athlete. It's cool to see when someone's using their, their platform to point to God. Yes, we'll get the details there. Also, on the... Main thing, the movie His Only Son. Big box office success. Trey, you spoke with the film's director and the star. And so we'll have a little bit of that on the main thing today. Looking forward to that. First, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And President Trump, former President Trump, pled not guilty. He made the plea himself to the court. He didn't have his attorneys do it. And he appeared yesterday the media was flocking all over the place you had helicopter footage the whole nine yards president biden did not comment on the case and he called a lid on his day at 3 p.m president former president trump posted on truth social while on his way to the courthouse saying it seems so surreal adding wow they are going to arrest me i can't believe this is happening in america MAGA exclamation point. The indictment, a lot of the experts are calling it quote unquote bare bones. There's 34 counts, 34 felonies for falsifying business records, allegedly. But many of the critics and the experts are underwhelmed by the, the indictment itself, as I said, calling it bare bones, but they're looking for what made these potential misdemeanors raise to the level of felonies and they're having a hard time finding where that is in the indictment and you can read about this and the latest developments over at cbnnews.com so trey watching a lot of this unfold yesterday and consuming what all the experts are saying and all the pundits and even on outlets like cnn they can't find the smoking gun in this, and they were quote unquote disappointed in the bare bones indictment. Um, one of the one of the experts saying they didn't see anything new. A lot of them saying they didn't see anything new here. Wondering why this is coming out now, seven years after these things had allegedly happened and these supposed crimes were committed. What was the new evidence here that brought this to the level? of a felony and to be able to bring it into court. And that is yet to be seen as of now. Yeah. I don't really understand what the, 
it, other than politics, right? Unless this is political theater, I don't really understand what the motivation for this is. None of it seems that uh, exciting. It's not. It's nothing really that's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this before yesterday. Yeah. But now that I know this, it's all making sense. I, I can't believe what a what a crook Donald Trump is, uh, which I'm guessing that's because that's kind of the way it's been played, right? Yeah. Once you see these details, you'll be with us like you'll agree with the DA in New York about how awful this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's really nothing that's really I, I was just skimming through it uh, before we started taping and there's nothing in it that was really like revelatory at all. It's just kind of dredging up the same stuff that you were saying. Analysts have been saying we've been seeing this and we've known this for years. There's nothing really that ties Trump to anything in particular that's really like sticking. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. I think it'll be also interesting to see how Trump plays it, right? Because for him and his camp, they're obviously going to play this as kind of like a political coronation, right? This is just, I'm now the nominee because it's the political machine once again right. working against me, and I'm the only one who really cares about you, the people. Yeah. So, well, and, and if they don't bring anything new, it, it seems like he might be right in this case, unless again, like, there's some new details. So essentially, what they're saying is that these the falsifying of business records they they these are these payments related to Stormy Daniels, Karen McDougal, etc., and they list each one of these. Um, let these each one of these transactions as a count as a different count so it's essentially the right. same thing but that's how they get the 34 counts they just add up all these different times it's like copy and paste 34 times is right what it looks like <laughs> right and and so basically what they're trying to argue here is that these agreements that were supposedly made um to to people to to have an nda so that they wouldn't talk about things ahead of you know the 2016 election they're saying that that these transactions were um, um, falsified to hide crimes, but then they don't list what those crimes are. And the irony of it all is they're saying ultimately that it's, you know, the, they're trying to basically point to the fact that it's undermining the integrity of the 2016 presidential election. So here we go with election integrity stories yet again. But again... You have Alvin Bragg here who made a statement ahead of time saying that he was he was going he ran on saying he was going to be able to get Trump. And then it sure looks like, according to the critics, that he went and found some charges to try to achieve that goal. So it it's uh, the way it looks now, even when you have more liberal leaning outlets that were just salivating at this, the prospect of seeing Trump going into court, which was really underwhelming when you think about it, it's. He, he didn't have to get dragged in there in cuffs. It was very much like any normal white collar issue that goes to court. He went in there, but they made Trump surrendering, you know, the, all this <laughs> dramatic language. And all he did was go in there and plead not guilty and then go home. So according to the experts, it looks like unless there's some new information here that comes to light, there is a chance that this will eventually just get thrown out. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that it's going to kind of fizzle. But if it doesn't end up going away and we see the trial go, you know, be carried out. Um, I think one of the things I was reading, too, that Trump Trump might ask for a change of venue because he's in New York City. And obviously, New York City is not super, uh, super favorable for, for him politically. Um, so, but it, it was interesting. The place that I was reading that he might want to change the venue to is Staten Island. So he's not even going to go that far away. He just wants to move out of 
out of New York City proper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And then also the judge that's presiding over uh, over the case. I can't remember his name right now, uh, but he's also kind of been seen as an activist judge and a left-leaning judge. Uh, so there's been some talk that Trump's attorneys might try to get that judge tossed out and get a new judge to preside over the case. Um, so if it ends up going through and it doesn't fizzle, it'll be interesting to see how those things are, are played out. Does he end up getting a change of venue? Can he get a judge uh, reassigned to the case? Uh, because right now all of it seems to be, like we were both saying, completely a political theater thing. Uh, and if he gets it moved to a different place with the new judge, uh, some of that political theater might go by the wayside. Yeah, and at least the judge had the sense to rule that cameras shouldn't be in there. This would be right. quite a debacle if you know if there were cameras in on it. And you know, again, this was it was such a short appearance that you know would have been all kind of. Um, anticlimactic anyway so we're gonna head on into our next story or something a little more positive than the latest politics of the day going back and forth although it is important the previous one we so we got to cover it but uh you know it can be depressing at times just focusing too much on politics so we're gonna move into something a little more positive here and UConn won the NCAA men's championship this week and one of the players had a fantastic response to the victory you got the details trey yeah so andre jackson he's a junior guard and was co-captain for the the men's basketball team at uconn um and he's using his platform now and he has actually been doing this for quite some time uh, to point other people uh to god which is which is interesting it's always encouraging too as i was saying at the top uh he and okay, so this is some backstory. He ended up with an injury to his hand uh, last fall, and it kind of made it uncertain what his future was going to be. Uh, but of course, he ended up coming back. He actually only missed three games at the beginning of the season. Uh, but he said that that experience actually taught him to trust God. Uh, he said mm. at the time, I think everything happens for a reason. So I think that this is definitely a message from God to just stay consistent in my work and stay on the same path. And then also in the lead up to the championship game uh, earlier this week, he said that he wants to give all glory to God, regardless of the outcome, obviously at the time, because he didn't know that UConn was going to end up winning. Uh, so he said that he wanted to, to, to give God the glory regardless of the outcome. Uh, and he's actually got that in his Twitter bio, his Instagram bio, that Jesus loves you and give all glory uh, to God. And he actually said too in another interview at a different time uh, that he believes God put him in this position uh, for a particular reason at this time to be able to tell others about the Lord through his platform. So just seems like an all-around great guy. Uh, and it's cool to see him using his his position as as someone who's got a limelight on him right, right now uh, to point people to the Lord. Yeah. Definitely. Has he kind of been one of these people that's often open about his faith or is this something relatively new or what's uh, been the history there? Yeah, so actually he's had the same trainer since he was nine years old. His name is Clyde Clymer and Clymer is also a pastor. Uh, and Jackson has said over the years that Climbers become sort of a role model and a father figure to him. Uh, in, in last March, he told CT Insider, Clyde is my heart. Uh, he said the three most important things in my life are Clyde, obviously, and then he said in my connection with God, uh, and then also his connection to basketball. He said Clyde has always been there for me, uh, even when he was going through a lot and didn't have much growing up. He said he's a great role model. So he said that a, a lot of what Climber taught him and modeled for him 
is why he's so eager and open uh, in talking about his faith mm. now. He said in one interview, I feel like I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in the past when it comes to basketball. So for him, talking about God, to present me with a great opportunity like this, I'm really just looking forward to trying to seize it and give all glory to him as always. So it's something that he's been open about consistently over the years, but certainly as his star has risen and he's become more of a household name for basketball fans, uh, he's been more and more open about his faith. That's great. What uh, does, Is he one of these that's potentially going to the NBA draft or what? Uh, what does he have in store for the immediate future here? Yeah, so certainly there are going to be people who are interested in him. He's, he was helping, helped to lead a team, uh, a major team, to a pretty big success here the, with the NCAA championship. But he said, as far as next season, he plans to return to UConn. He said, only way I'm not coming back is if the coach tells me to leave. <laughs> that seems pretty unlikely, but uh, that's great. Well, <laughs> glad to see him out there sharing his faith. Like you said, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's always great when we see enough of the negative going on. It's nice to see someone still being able to speak about their faith publicly, because to be quite honest, given the way some agendas that are kind of polar opposite of faith are pushed, it, you know, you, who knows how long that's going to be, you know, kind of acceptable at all. So great to see people continually willing to do this and uh, Jackson being one of them. So appreciate you bringing that story, Trey. We're going to, we're going to head over to the main thing now. And on a budget of less than a quarter million dollars, his only son, the latest movie from Angel Studios, you might recognize, of course, from The Chosen, earned five and a half million dollars on the opening weekend. An impressive showing, really. Trey spoke with the film's writer and director, David Helling, as well as the star of the movie about the backstory of more. That's today's main thing. David Helling, you're the director of His Only Son, coming out March 31st, and then also Nicola Mowood, uh, your Abraham uh, yes. in the movie. So I'll go to you first, David. Tell me about the why you chose to tell this story. Why is it important to tell the story of Abraham and Isaac, and especially releasing it at Easter time? It's kind of an interesting interesting decision, right? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I picked this because in my history of even going in, to, so I went to film school in downtown San Francisco, and you have a lot of non-believing friends and which leads to a lot of gospel conversations and it seemed time and time again a common point of contention was this account of Abraham t of the Lord testing Abraham and asking him mm -hmm. to sacrifice his own son and uh, you know you, you seem like a lot of times they'd be like well you worship a God who would do that so I don't want any part of that um, and then I found with my believing brothers and sisters in Christ they didn't really know how to answer that question yeah so to dive into the text see what the Lord was doing, pull it out, look at the whole counsel of God throughout the whole Bible, and, and show people that the Lord had a purpose in it, and the purpose was good, and it was pointing to something, and spoiler alert, it was pointing to Christ. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's what I want to do, to be able to answer the scoffers and give an answer to believers that they can take to their non-believing friends and family. Yeah. And Nicola, this is your first English speaking role in a full length movie. Tell us a little bit about how the opportunity came about, uh, why you're interested in, in, in pursuing this project. Um, yeah, first of all, I had never thought of like um, being in English movies. I thought because I speak French as good as Arabic, so I could, I could do like, some French movies. And I had a friend who was an Egyptian filmmaker living in Paris. I asked him how to do that, and he said I should have an IMDb account. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, because in the Arab world, I'm kind of like known there, so it's and not like really a thing yeah. there as much as in uh, uh, the Western world. 
So what happened is that I uh, created an IMDb account, and then the next day I had an email from Roman Medjanov, who's like uh, David co-producer, and asking me if I would love to audition for the part of Abraham in that movie. At first I was like, oh, it happened that fast. <laughs> is it real or is it scam? You know, it was like something, yeah. like sometimes you don't like really realize that things can happen that fast. And uh, that's what happened. I sent them the audition tape uh, on my phone. And then I got a reply from them saying that they liked what I did. And yeah, David can yeah, tell you more about yeah, like, yeah, like his was, side because yeah, like it's kind it, of a parallel story. That, that sure. was me in Lebanon and there was like David here. Yeah, and so because I had looked at over 1,700 applicants for the role of Abraham, no one fit the bill at all. Mm -hmm. And Roman had actually come into the office and he was like, look, if we don't have the thing cast this week, we're going to have to push the film. And I know what that means. That means the film's probably never going to happen because <laughs> I've seen that happen yeah. before. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Lord, I immediately start praying, Lord, you know who Abraham is. You know who you've declared to play Abraham. So please just show me who that person is. And I went on to IMDb and I just started scrolling Middle Eastern actors. And I was like, and, and looking at different faces I like. And then I, I got his name, sent it to Roman. I said, can you email him for a read? And yeah, it turns out the day before is when he created that page. Yeah. And so, wow. and then, but whenever he sent me that read of his audition, just reading one, a very emotional scene, mm. um, and uh, it was exactly as I envisioned it when I was writing mm. the film. And I mean, I'm talking about the intonation, the pauses in his speech, uh, the even even his mannerisms and his hands. It was like, this is exactly like I envisioned when I wrote it. And mm. so wow. we had to get him. And so it's it just proof of this is totally the Lord's hand on the project. I mean, you mm. see his hand throughout the whole thing, yeah. but this is just one yeah, example. But the way it happened is something that's really... Uh yeah, it's beautiful. Yep. You know, something too that I think is interesting when you're doing a film that's based off of a biblical text, mm. uh, there's a little bit more weight to it, right? Because you're not just writing a script from nothing. You're mm. writing a script from a significant source material as mm. the Word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, so for you, what was that like writing that? And did you feel that pressure uh, putting the script together for the movie knowing I need to rightly represent this story well yeah I mean my my uh, you always have that I mean I guess it's the same as you know even if you're going to teach in a Bible study or a pastor preparing a sermon you want to always enter into the text and know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom of knowledge of, an, of understanding and so to enter in through prayer always into kind of de de deplete any of your own imaginations or, oh, this would be cool to inject into the text. You want to start with the bones of Scripture first, and you don't ever want to put those out of joint. And I've had experience doing this over the years because my heart cry is to illustrate and exposit the biblical narrative through film. That's what I've been doing for nearly the last 15 years. Um, and so to come to this account, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, of course, a lot of pressure if, if, you, if you're relying on yourself. But then sure. when you rest in the sovereignty of the Lord and you seek him and you can you're confessing your sins and you're and you're trying to live in obedience then you can rest in the fact that he's going to lead you down the right path yeah and what was it like playing Abraham you know did you feel that weight yourself and maybe what did you learn about Abraham uh, or see in a fresh way that you did I, th I think yeah I can like um, uh, like uh, what David said about like how being kind of like way like super loyal to the to the scripture and I think at the beginning I had kind of a problem with David doing this I don't know if you remember but because I wanted to show like a more vulnerable Abraham and David mm. won't like to be like 100% loyal and faithful to the scripture but I think oh. that <laughs> these conversations I think made the movie uh, richer mm. because you have 
someone who like not willing on compromise on what the Bible says and someone who's not willing on compromise on showing Abraham vulnerable. And I think yeah. like us being together and God working through this yeah. made, 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 I think the, the characters uh, beautiful in, in this movie. For me, yeah, it was kind of a, it is a challenge to, to portray someone that high, that holy, that like an, an idol, like to all believers and to all human beings. I mean, but, but at the same time, I didn't want to go there too much because I didn't want to look at him as a superhero. I wanted mm. to see like the more human side of him so that people who watch it can relate yeah. to him and can feel that they can be like him and they can do like him and they can be like obedient as he was and patient as he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that this is po the point of showing people that he's amazing, but you also can be or can try to be as much as you can as amazing in God's eyes. That was just a portion of our conversation with the writer and director and lead star of His Only Son, the latest movie from Angel Studios. The film tells the Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac, and it directly ties it to the Easter story, the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You'll be able to watch our full conversation on the CBN News YouTube channel later this week. All right, Trey, I appreciate that conversation there. I mean, it's really cool to see these Christian movies do well. Um, it's There seems like there's been a lot of them. I mean, maybe are, pe people are really hungering for this sort of content. Yeah, you know, that was something that I talked to Neil Harmon. He's the CEO and co-founder of Angel Studios about. And, and he was talking uh, about this interest that people are having in, in Angel and other Christian studios wanting to capitalize on that and tell these stories. And actually in our comments on Facebook about the success of His Only Son, so many people were commenting and saying that it was they've gone to see the movie and it was really true to the biblical story and they're really impressed by it. So I think that's the, the number one thing, right? You want to see a good movie, but you want to see a movie that's accurately portraying what scripture mm -hmm. says. Yeah. And this movie seems to do that. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, that's going to leave us with uh, time for uh, one last thing here. So we're going to look at John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I just think what a great reminder because we're bombarded constantly with so many different voices in our culture, most of them pointing us away from scripture and away from truth. So we just have to, to it's a good reminder of this verse, to still ourselves and to, to make sure I know what scripture says so that when God speaks, I'm hearing that and I'm following him. Yeah, absolutely. Great place to leave it here on this Wednesday episode of the podcast. As always, make sure you get over to cbnnews.com, faithware.com for more news from a Christian perspective. When Lord willing and that creek don't rise, we shall be back here tomorrow with more of the same. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. God bless you. See you back here soon. <laughs>